U2 at Sphere is the nightmare future of music. An essay by Matt Ruby. That's me. Well, we finally reached peak. I go to the concert to watch a screen and not the band. That's what I thought when my timeline filled up with shots from Sphere. Not the Sphere. Sphere. That's the huge IMAX theater eyeball arena thing launched by an evil billionaire in Vegas. It opened with some Irish band in the pit playing the soundtrack to a postmodern Fantasia flick on a screen which wrapped around more than a pair of Coach Prime sunglasses. Everyone who attended was very impressed by the movie, I mean, concert, and dutifully posted about it online, which is now the main metric of success for, well, any performer. See Taylor Swift and her newfound love of football. U2's creative director, honestly, I didn't even know bands had those, had an insightful and also kind of savage line about the show. If people get bored, he said, they can even watch the band. Ouch. But hey, it's like Don Draper says. That's what the money is for! Now, Sphere is obviously impressive, and as a fan of psychedelics, far be it for me to dump on a cool light show. And I get that massive screens are a necessity for the big-scale venues a band like U2 plays. But I'll tell you what Sphere isn't. Rock and roll. Because staring at a screen, or even worse, pointing your phone at a screen, can never be rock and roll. It is empirically not rock. No one ever says... Remember that time we were all pointing our phones at that screen together? That rocked. Yet that's exactly what everyone at Sphere was doing. Similarly, not rock. Mark Zuckerberg's avatar talking to Lex Fridman's avatar in the metaverse for a podcast. But that just happened too. Zuck's floating head reported photorealistic avatars will be the future for remote work, gaming, and social interactions. Groovy. I'll have my chatbot talk to your chatbot to schedule a virtual reality conversation that's uh, virtually fascinating. Related, uh, you could just substitute not really for virtual from now on. Anyway, back to Sphere. Did you two even really have to be there? I'm pretty sure photorealistic avatars are going to be the future of music, too. Did you know ABBA is on a virtual tour right now called Voyage? Since launching in May of 2022, the show has sold 99% of seats and makes $2 million a week. And unlike pesky musicians, virtual avatars never age. And they can play anywhere and anytime. And they don't need amphetamines or someone to remove all the brown M&Ms from a bowl backstage. So get ready for more metaverse chorus verse performances moving forward. You know who especially loved the Sphere reveal? Tech entrepreneurs. They were ooing and eyeing about the uh, immersivality of the immersiveness. One of them, Anthony Pompliano, wrote, Next time someone tells you that humans haven't built anything noteworthy in centuries, show them this video from inside the sphere from last night's concert. Well, take that, Mies van der Rohe. Alexis Ohanian exed, So smart. Every IRL event has to be an experience to justify the money, time, and effort from fans. Reimagining what a concert venue could look like that's designed for every seat in the house will become the standard, especially now that the tech allows it. So, get that? Seeing one of the world's biggest bands sing and play their instruments is no longer enough of an experience. We must reimagine concerts. 
And look, that makes sense if all you ever do is see music acts in giant stadiums or arenas, which I admit is kind of absurd. I mean, you go to see a band at one of those cavernous spots, and the only way you could actually see them is on a giant screen. And if you're just going to watch them on a giant screen, why bother going at all? So yeah, if attendees are going to be a mile away from the action, there probably does need to be something to hook our ADHD minds. However, you don't have to see bands inside an airplane hangar. You could also go to a small venue that doesn't require a light show or fancy pyrotechnics. Sometimes the secret to having a powerful experience is to go smaller, not bigger. This is what tech guys always miss in their obsession with scalability. To them, it's a defeat when something fails to scale. If your app can't compete with Google, it's just a lifestyle business. If the IP can't have sequels, the movie's not worth making. If it can't be massive, it's just not worth doing. But huge is the opposite of human. Massive venues change the relationship between audience and performer. Even in a comedy club, the front row sees a totally different show than the back. The further away they get, the more the crowd might as well be watching from the metaverse. To tech folks, humanity is an obstacle to overcome. That's why they keep throwing things like Sphere, AI, the metaverse, Vision Pro goggles, and algorithms at us, while never acknowledging the compromises these things require of us. I get how all those tech advancements are remarkable. I'm just not convinced they're good for our souls. Intimacy doesn't scale. To venture capitalists, that's a problem. But to normal humans, that's why it's so valuable. The bug is the feature. Plastic roses scale much better than real roses, but that's because they don't actually live. Only that which dies can truly live. I know I rant about crap like this all the time, but it's not that I'm anti-technology as much as that I'm pro-humanity. And each time I see raves for something like Sphere, I feel like we're drifting further away from real life, in the room, human connection. I know many will say, come on, dude, what's your beef? That show was clearly badass. And sure, the visuals were amazing. But in every shot of the show I've seen, the crowd is overwhelmingly viewing the goings-on through their phones. Audience members aren't even filming the musicians. They're filming the screens above the band. It all seemed a lot more Cirque to iPhone than rock show. What you point your phone at is what you worship, is the object of your devotion. And in this case, everyone's pointing their phones at the screen. It was a feedback loop of pixelated devotion, demonstrating exactly what we worship most now, screens. Don't get me wrong, I'd love to check out the visuals at Sphere sometime, but I don't think it'll feed my soul the way rock shows in smaller venues have. Concerts at places like Lounge Axe, Metro, Empty Bottle, Double Door, Mercury Lounge, and Bowery Ballroom changed my life. They transported me to a place that had nothing to do with screens and everything to do with people in a room connecting. I remember being pressed against the stage barricade, dead center, right in front of Eddie Vedder as Pearl Jam, fresh off their debut album, opened up for Keith Richards on a New Year's Eve show at the Academy, a tiny venue in NYC. After the show, Eddie handed me the champagne he was drinking, and I kept that bottle on a shelf for months afterward. I remember using my fake ID to get into Lounge Axe, a tiny strip of a club in Chicago's Lincoln Park, to see Polara open up for Guided by Voices. Ed Ackerson from Polara swirled his guitars, and then Guided by Voices' Bob Pollard high-kicked his way through smothered in hugs while tossing cans of bud into the crowd. I remember seeing the white stripes in front of just a few dozen people at the empty bottle and being shocked at how two people could make such a ruckus, and then telling everyone I knew they had to come see their next show in town. And so did everyone else who was there. 
We all knew we just witnessed a lightning strike. I remember seeing Leonard Cohen live at the Beacon Theater and thinking, if this is what church was like, I would understand being religious. It wasn't just the poetry of the man's song. It was the humility and grace with which he conducted himself on stage. I remember seeing a duo named Aware earlier this year in an abandoned church in Mexico City. It was somewhere between folk music, psychedelic ceremony, ecstatic dance, and EDM. Sometimes the audience sat, sometimes we danced, and sometimes we sang. Every step of the way, we were in it together, though. If you took your phone out, you just felt like a fool. And actually, before I ever attended a rock show, there was a video on MTV that made me clock the transcendent power of a rock show. I was just a little kid, but I was transfixed by this guy with a mullet planting a flag while the fog swirled around him and his band performed inside the side of a mountain. At least that's what it seemed like. This song is not a rebel song. This song is someday, bloody someday. Yeah, it was U2 performing live at Red Rocks all the way back in 1983. The number of video screens at that venue? Zero. The number of people on their phones? Zero. The number of incredible performances? One. I'd trade a thousand nights at Sphere to have been at Red Rocks that night instead. To me, that's what a rock show is about. Being present in the moment and experiencing something together, something holy and true. Good luck getting that via pixels or screens. Those can only deliver something virtually holy. And now let's welcome producer Jeremiah McVeigh, rock and roll expert and excellent <laughs> podcast producer. Well, my, my credits as I get brought on are getting more dubious each time. <laughs> well, um, you're a rock and roll guy. Come on. Sure, sure, sure. I would never call myself an expert on anything, though. <laughs> but I just have to say, I, I did really like the turn of phrase metaverse chorus verse. So Thank you. Thank I feel you. like that should be the name of something. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I like that. Uh, so I wanted to actually highlight, like, I know that this one, this essay, when you put it out as your newsletter recently, uh, happened to get a lot of traction. You got a lot of comments on it. And a lot of people were agreeing with you uh, that they felt like something was off about like this whole sphere thing or that it just didn't seem like rock and roll and all that. So a lot of agreement. But there was one person in particular who wrote to you and, and the comment section of, of the newsletter that I, I want to just read what they said because they, they had kind of a differing opinion from, from everybody else and from you. So this is from uh, a commenter who calls himself Sawyer. And they said, I went last night and have to say you're incorrect. The songs you see on social media are designed to be viewed as you describe, but they have two sections with little to no visuals and an encore that were all focused on the band. The visuals also severely enhance the songs to an unfathomable level. Everyone has heard With or Without You thousands of times, but the visuals were so intense it was bringing everyone to tears. I've seen hundreds of concerts, many extremely intimate in small clubs, and the sphere isn't replacing those because bands that play those shows don't play the sphere. It's made for you two who you're never going to see in a club ever, so why are you comparing the two? And I, I, I kind of get what he's saying. Like, me too, me too. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's something to that point of like, 
the bands that are playing the sphere are well known. The people who are going are probably super fans or at least know their music really well because it's just permeating the culture. And so maybe it is nice to get this other elevated in a way you would maybe disagree with that term, but uh, experience. I can't believe you missed uh, out the, the opportunity to have an elevation pun right there. You're, you're going to throw out elevated. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, but, but I'm, what did you, what did you think of his, his kind of pushback to what you said in the essay? I mean, first of all, he was there and I wasn't. So at some point sure. I have to acknowledge my own uh, uh, hubris and criticizing something that I didn't actually experience myself. Um, although maybe in some ways that was part of the point is like I'm I'm reacting to the reaction or like the way it was presented on social media and right. like how much of it seemed to be intended to be presented on social media and what that says about our, our current state of like consuming entertainment or going to a live event. Um, mm -hmm. I, I am curious as to how people were all moved to tears while also like holding up their phones and pointing it, them at these screens. Like to me, that seems like, a, I don't know, like, uh, I find it tough to be present in the moment in some really depthful, emotionally connected way while also filming something. Uh, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe this is something other people have, uh, moved beyond. Uh, but you know, I think. I'm sure it was a cool event. I would like to go and see it. I think part of my reaction, though, is to this idea, like, this is the future of music. This is what every concert venue needs to do. Uh, this is normalizing the idea that, like, 95% of what people are looking at are the screens, and then there's just this little postage stamp size stage in the lower lower right corner where the actual band is performing. Uh, and all of that creeps me out. And then I also want to stick up for the experiences that I've had in my life, because I do feel like rock and roll shows at small venues really was sort of the closest I got to experiencing what I would describe as like a holy environment or feeling connected to something in a way that changed my life. And I have never experienced anything that was delivered through a screen or through pixels uh, or while holding up my phone and filming something that matched that sort of feeling, that sort of, uh, ability to get lost in a, a moment and connecting with music and with the people around you. And I think the idea that all music needs to move towards this, you know, metaverse type realm uh, frightens me. And I want to stick up for that, you know, organic, you know, version of concert experiences that I've had that changed my life. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to say, I, I haven't really engaged with the whole sphere thing directly yet. Like my main um, info about it now is you in this essay. Um, but I, I knew it existed. I was sort of like, what the hell is this? That was kind of my only reaction to it up to this point. But I do think it parallels other things. Like, I mean, it, it seems like it is very akin to what's already been going on, as you are kind of pointing out, of, of like people just looking at things through screens instead of experiencing them in the moment. But I, I've been trying to kind of like figure out why it is that people pull out their phones at shows. And there's been like over the last months, it seems like it's been going on for a year now, but it can't have been. The, the Taylor Swift tour, there have been all these videos that come out of like how truly insane it is to be there live at some of these arenas where it's like so many tens of thousands of people and they're and and from the videos that you see obviously they're not super representative of actually being there like they just couldn't be but like it, it seems like 
you can't even hear the show. It's just like so many people screaming lyrics and that's what you're hearing as much as anything else. Um, and and it, it seems to me that that means that like what people are going to a show like that for and then maybe a show like this thing at Sphere or any other show at Sphere is there's this communal aspect that they want to tap into. And it's not necessarily about the band. The band is the instigator for that communal experience, but they're not the, they're no longer the focus of it or don't have to be for some of these people. And it's just like a different mindset than we've had having been musicians who played at little shows and went to little shows and medium shows and personally never liked going to big shows of me. But um, yeah, and then like, it, it, I guess to extrapolate from that, it seems like the communal experience is something that they want to go past that moment. They they want to expand it past that moment. And that's why they take out their phone and share it on social media because they want to let their other friends who aren't there know that they were there. And I don't even know if it's about a clout thing so much, which is what that sounds like. But maybe it's more about just like, I want it, I want to share with you because you're going to a show in a couple of days in your city. And, you know, people live all over the place and are friends with, with each other. I'm being generous here, I feel like, to, to, to uh, the motives of all this or whatever. But I don't know. Like, it, I guess it's just this isn't built for us, maybe, is, is another argument. Sure. And I mean, you know, I get people want to share some amount of like, here's where I was. People want to like, you spend a lot of money to go to this show. You love this performer you you want to show that your life's cool and you got uh interesting stuff going on it does feel weird when people are like filming things and i'm like yeah. no one wants I to agree. watch your your version of this that we have from much better cameras and recording equipment right. um but when you were talking i kind of reminded me of like when you talk about screaming like you know that's why the beatles stopped touring was people were screaming so loudly at their concerts they could no longer hear each other or the music at all and they were right. sort of like what's the point of us doing this or even being here if no one, we can't hear it and no one else can hear it um and eventually right. you know led to them sort of turning into more of a studio band um and i i think you know with taylor swift and you know i think this is happening with other concerts now. There's intentionally some part of the show that changes every night in order to make it. I think you know people will post about that on social media, so it's not just like the same right. script all the time. Um, and I, you could probably argue that there's something cool about that. You know, maybe she's going to more deep cuts or other things that she wouldn't do otherwise, or you know, it's a different show every night in some way that's fresh. But also, I think it's interesting because this is happening in the realm of comedy now too, of uh, mm. comedians sort of. Uh, doing the quote-unquote normal part of the show with written jokes and then at the end asking for people to scream out topics or doing crowd work or having like sort of a go-to question that they ask and then the audience like gives their answers and uh it's this interesting sort of flavor of we've got you know 85 percent is what it was always you know at, at a show but now 15 percent is uh intended to create content basically mm -hmm. for social media and, you know, it's just interesting to watch, you know, in an entire art form sort of shift uh, in response to the algorithm, basically. And I, I, I go back to even before social media, uh, what they used to do at, at big rock shows with like a, you know, a bunch of photographers would be there to cover it. And basically like, the first three songs, they would have yeah. the photographers, you know, up front taking photos and snapping. And then after that, it was done. No more photos. And now we're going to experience the show as it's intended without, you know, 
people scurrying around taking shots all the time. And I wonder if that's sort of a good compromise maybe that we can get to as a society, or at least maybe as this is naively something that I would like to see, uh, you know, like, oh, there's some period of time where we can all kind of like have that interface of like experiencing it through our screen or capturing it or doing whatever we want to do uh vr phones and then after that we put them away and actually like remember what it's like yeah. to be human beings in a room together yeah i mean it kind of sounds like that commenter was saying that's what that show was meant to be at least in terms of the presentation i don't know about like the the it doesn't sound like anyone was cracking down on people like you know when they could shoot stuff or whatever, like the the fans in the audience. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if that's the way this is going to go, though, is like if you're a big enough act where you have these throngs of just insatiable fans that you're just going to have to say, like, here are the parameters of what we're doing here. Please only do this here. And some of these artists, like I can imagine that if Taylor Swift came out and said, please do not sing the lyrics, please do not be on your phone for this half of the show. They would listen to her, you know, I don't know if every artist could, could do that, but like there are certain artists who have that pull with their audience and, and could probably make that happen. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. That'd be, I, I know there's other performers who've done that more like the indie rock or sort of like uh, less, less, more of a rock and less of a pop sort of performer. But yeah, that would certainly be interesting. I'd be curious to see. Uh, yeah. I think that'd be great for everyone involved, you know, even if it was just one yeah. song. Hey. This next song, no one pull out a phone. Let's have this be right. just for this people in this room together in this moment. I feel like that would be a, a cool thing. Uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I think where we're headed as a society is that there's going to be two tracks. And one of them is going to be the more immersive, you know, metaverse sort of avatar version of reality. And then there's going to be the IRL people in a room together. And, you know, we might be in some dive bar with some you know bad punk band and and just live it and there's a mosh pit and it's actual human beings all like you know experiencing it that way and then other people are going to have this incredible glorious uh light show and whole fandango and it's going to be you know through their goggles and they might just actually be sitting home on their couch and having a very comfortable experience and you know everyone can kind of dial in whatever they want but i guess i like part of what i'm trying to do when i write stuff like this is go out there and argue for the humanity version because i think the p yeah. the pr machine is so powerful on the other side because of you know all the people who are profiting from it that you know i think people who've been moved by those irl experiences you know need to stick up for them And now for some quickies. Every morning I write a note to myself that says, I am so thankful I don't keep a gratitude journal. It's weird that people who hate books love homeschooling the most. It's amazing the Buddha wound up with way less followers than Jesus. Dudes with guts are always a better hang than dudes with abs.
You can subscribe to or follow this show just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or anywhere else that allows you to do that. And when I say that, I mean, like, leave it a good review. I feel like that's obvious, but if, you, if you're just going to leave it a bad review, you, you don't have to. Anyway, it helps others find the show, which I really appreciate. Uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at mattruby at hey.com. That's mattruby at H-E-Y dot com. And if you like this podcast, you should subscribe to the Rubes Letter, where what you just heard first appeared. You can find that at mattrubycomedy.com slash subscribe. And while you're at mattrubycomedy.com, you can also find links to my Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok, where I post clips of my stand-up and other stuff, too. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media. 